Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Z and DJ Podcast. Hey, hello, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast. I hope you're doing really well. Thanks so much for being here. Now, we have a very special show for you today. And actually, if you're listening to this in real time, then this will kickstart a trio of shows that we'll be releasing this week. It's a break to the norm because it's a new year and we thought we'd just mix it up a little bit for a change. We will be back to normal with our full hour conversations again next week. But today, I want to tell you about our first brilliant guest, and then you'll have another one tomorrow. And another one the next day. Again, all of this is only relevant if you're listening to this as these come out. If you're one of these people that listens in the future, welcome to you. I hope that climate has been fixed and that life is glorious for everybody. Now, today's guest is a brilliant, brilliant actor. She's just incredible. I've loved her for years in the NBC comedy series Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where she played Rosa Diaz. I mean, just, she was wonderful in that. But I'm so pleased to say that her shining light has been identified by the biggest and best, being, of course, Disney. And she is also the lead role in the wonderful Encanto. She plays Mirabelle in Disney's amazing movie Encanto, which did so brilliantly uh, in the cinemas just before Christmas and, and at least in the UK over here. And then uh, I think it was released on Christmas Eve on Disney+. Plus. And so, well, certainly in my house, it's been on several times and everyone that I know that's seen it just thinks it's wonderful. So Stephanie is is a wonderful, wonderful actor. This is Stephanie Beatrice, who's, who's our special guest for today. And she's currently, as we speak in January 2022, she's currently residing in London with her family her husband and her little baby and she's performing in the terrifying 222 it's one of the most frightening things that you can see anywhere it's one of these amazing plays that it's designed to just terrify you and she has uh, three other wonderful co-stars on the show as well two of whom we'll be catching up with in the next couple of days so tomorrow you'll be able to hear from the wonderful giovanna fletcher and let me tell you, what a woman with a heart of gold. She's just glorious and funny and engaging. She won I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here a couple of years ago for a reason. The public love her because she's real and wonderful. And so there's so much to discuss with Giovanna tomorrow. And then the next day, we will be talking to Elliot Cowan, who is a brilliant actor. And he's been in so many amazing things. And let me tell you, he has got some brilliant Hollywood scoop stories to share with you from none other than who's who's he going to be talking about yes he's going to be talking about Angelina Jolie he's going to be talking about who he's worked with of course he's going to be talking about Colin Farrell he's going to be talking about none other than Hannibal Lecter himself none other than Anthony Hopkins and he's going to be talking about Jared Leto all of whom he has starred with and, and been in, in movies with so can't wait for you to hear from Elliot Cowan but for now the focus is on the brilliant Stephanie Beatrice and I, I just think she's wonderful this is a really ranging conversation where we talk about a whole scope of different things and I think you'll find her fascinating charming delightful insightful and a real leader an absolute pioneer in the world so I think 
one of the things we should be thinking about if we if we're making resolutions for 2022 is be more Stephanie Beatrice because she's just great. Anyway, enough waffle from me. Thank you for being here. Here is the lovely interview with Stephanie Beatrice. The Andy J Podcast. She's the lead in Disney's latest smash hit, Encanto. She's Rosa Diaz in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and she's in London for the next few weeks, performing on the West End in 222, A Ghost Story. I am delighted to welcome the glorious, the wonderful, the hopefully very happy and energetic Stephanie Beatrice. How are you doing, Stephanie? Hi, I'm so well. I'm so well. Thank you for that wonderful Wow. I was just delighted when I was told that you were available for a conversation. I was like, amazing. I've got to rein in my Brooklyn Nine-Nine fanboying because otherwise it's just going to be half an hour of me telling you how great the show is. So that's really nice. Thank you. I mean, if you want to do it's your time, you know. <laughs> well, look, we've got lots to chat about. So let's go quickly into Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I do love it, if that's all right. I know it's yeah. I know it's finished now, which is heartbreaking. I kept thinking maybe because it did end and then it came back and it was all exciting. And I was thinking maybe you could maybe you could go again for a bit more. But it's the, t- the tap's been turned off, hasn't it? It's done. Yes, yes. We filmed our final season. We said a beautiful, lovely goodbye to it. And that season, I don't think, has aired in the UK or anything yet. So you still have something to look forward to. It's not quite over yet for you. That's it. That's it. Although I'm terrified that it's, it's because it's the last season, it's going to have a big finish. That means no, there's no coming back. You know, (laughs) there, there is a big finish. Fans of the show, I will say will absolutely love the finish of the show. We did it for the fans. We built it for the fans, the writers, specifically created it for you guys so I think you're gonna really like it I love that I love that and your character Rosa Diaz I mean she's a standout character of course it's full of glorious characters and amazing one-liners and great fun but Rosa's a very important character isn't she um I yeah I mean I don't want to like negate any of the work that's happened on the show but I think for specifically for certain people she is a very important character and that's because she came out as bisexual on the show. And I think so many people really connected with that storyline and had already connected with that character. And then her sort of coming out to not only her friends on the show, but really to audiences. I think that was a big moment for a lot of people and people really like attach themselves to loving that character very hard because of that. Yes, well, especially with how it was dealt with, I think, Stephanie, because it was just a throwaway line. It was typical deadpan Rosa. It was just like, yeah, I'm by. Mm. There it is. I'm dating a girl. Done. You know, there was right. no kind of fanfare and fuss and spectacle because it's not that big a deal, right? It's just, yeah, that's what's happening. Done. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be. It, unfortunately, it still is. Um, the, the sort of global arguments about what is okay in other people's sexuality is an ongoing ridiculous conversation. I mean, um, but yeah, for Rosa, it was just like, this is who I am. It was more nerve wracking to her to come out to her family. And honestly, it was mostly about like, I don't want to tell anyone anything about my life. So like, I guess I have to let you nerds in on this, but yeah, it was very, and it's still very special to see how people respond to that character. Not only for that part of her, but like, her sort of general badassness is like very loved by people, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I love it. She's she's just oh, she's brilliant, and it's such a great show. I have one more question about Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then I promise I'll move on. And and that is simply that your daughter Rosaline is she named after Rosa by any chance? 
Um, it's actually Rosaline, oh, and okay. she she it's it's like a mix of a bunch of things. Um, and it's a fan, there's a family name part partially in there. Um, Rosaline because I absolutely love where she's nicknamed Roz because how funny is it to have a baby named Roz? It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, but also it is a nod to Rosa. They're, they're, the name is hidden inside her name um, because really Brooklyn Nine-Nine was such a huge part of my life for so long and, and meeting the friends that I did on Brooklyn and sort of becoming the person that I became through playing that character had a huge effect on me meeting her father, my husband and partner, and and building a life in that I thought, oh, a, having a family and having a child is possible for me. And so I did want to have like a nod to Rosa in her name. But yeah, it's, it's quite a mix of things. But truly the most joyous thing is to be able to look over this like four-month-old four month old baby and say, Roz, which is like, so funny to me. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, that's lovely. So motherhood's going well. Yeah, it's going. I mean, listen, it's a quite, I mean, as a parent yourself, I'm sure you know, it is so challenging. It's way yes. more challenging than anybody tells you. Yeah. It's and, exhausting. And it, it's exhausting. And also, like, I'm not even doing as much as my husband. My husband is doing. My husband's name is Brad. And he's, I've been in rehearsals for. 222 since we got to London I've been working really hard since the since basically since the plane landed and even really months before that because I was doing press for Encanto and Brad has been the main caretaker for Raz and he is doing an incredible job but he's wiped he's totally wiped all the time yeah I know that feeling well hey listen just an idea for you if you stay here long Mm -hmm. enough she's gonna have a really cute little British accent <laughs> yeah, but then she won't say cookie, she'll say biscuit. So you've got to get ready biscuit. for that. Yeah. No problem. No problem. It I'm could work. Bad. It could work, right? It suits the name. Cute little British accent. Oh yeah. So, so cute. <laughs> it does work. No, also, look, the, the Brits are the only people that say her name correctly most of the time. People are like Rosaline because the Shakespeare name, you know. Um, in the US, it's a lot harder to get people to know what that is. Which just goes to show you guys are way smarter than most of us in the U.S. Well, that's been a really interesting journey. The the like learning about humor here it's so different. I mean, it's the same, but it's different, right? Because obviously, you guys enjoy Brooklyn. So at the bottom, the bottom line is like funny is funny, but British humor is so specific, and I'm really, really enjoying getting to know it. Well, there's been some amazing crossover, particularly in televised comedies. You know, for example, The Office, you know, it started here, but your own version of it translates brilliantly. And there's there's so much of that. I think I think a lot of American comedy has pulled from things like Monty Python of old and so on. So I, I, feel, yeah. I feel like we're natural bedfellows, you know, the Americans and the Brits so as too, comedy yeah. partners. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really nice kind of, but yeah, there's some amazing comedies coming out of America at the moment. And yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, oh, I just love it. Um, we got to talk about Encanto shortly, but I have to ask you about 222, A Ghost Story, because, mm-hmm. oh my word, it's pulling up the sheets in terms of headlines. People are loving it. The reviews are incredible. And I mean, I'm coming to see it very soon. I can't wait, but I'm already thinking I'm going to be terrified. It's, it's I'm not going to lie, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But it is, it's, much less like it's not a gory kind of you know there's a someone asking like oh what are the creepy sex like and i'm like what i said was it's really just sound and lights and storytelling i mean it really is just a really good spooky story 
And over the course of the night, you just get so caught up in this question of whether or not ghosts exist and whether or not it even matters sometimes because the thrill of being scared sometimes is just enough. It's really like, to me, it's really fun that it's in a theater with what other people also so thrilling because there are these, for example, there are these, sometimes these jump scares that they're just not expecting at all. And the whole theater in unison screams together. Right. And then, immediately afterwards, everyone burst into laughter because they're all so embarrassed that they've screamed and yelled in the middle of the theater. But I think that that's what's so joyous about the play is that it's so, the storytelling is so electric, but it's also such a relief for people who've been, you know, waiting to go back to the theater, to go watch movies, to go experience other human beings. It's such a fun night. It's like a really rollicking fun night at the theater. Yeah, and there's something about being scared, especially as a unit that is just, yeah, oh when you're scared in a group, it's great. For, when it's manufactured, obviously, not real life scare. That's a different thing. But yeah. Right, right, right. How is it on the West End? I mean, is, is everything you'd ever dreamt of? Yeah, and more, honestly. Um, the theatre is gorgeous, but the good, which is this beautiful, like, it looks like you opened the inside of a treasure box when, once you go in. It's so gilded and gorgeous and everyone's been so lovely the cast is incredible um I, I can't say enough good things i mean i'm having a blast i'm having a blast and unfortunately slash fortunately yesterday i bought a book i bought a book about ghosts in <laughs> theaters in the west end and so i stupidly started reading it before i went on stage and then we got we've got a couple of really great scenes in the play. And one of them is like a seancey kind of moment. Oh. And I, I got full chills last night. I mean, normally I kind of act some chills in certain parts of the play. Like, you know, because they say like go cold, like, you know, you feel temperature drop in haunted houses, that kind of thing. Last night, I really full body scared myself in the middle of the <laughs> Wow. Which is like, so I'm going to maybe take a break from reading it because um, <laughs> I do need to finish this run and I'm not trying to like Ouija board myself some ghosts and feel good. But the, the West End has been amazing. It's well, an amazing experience. There's something about seances though, isn't there? That, that you, you, you kind of, it's the great unknown because you don't know, has someone around the table just moved it around deliberately or is something exactly. else happening? You never really know. You know, you kind of think, you never nah, will. Nah, this can't be real. This can't be real. But at the right? same time, there's that little voice, isn't there? Where you're just like, um. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that, and you know, what's crazy is that little voice is, we're taught from the time that we're kids to ignore that little voice. Like, oh, be polite. You know, don't, you know, don't make anyone else uncomfortable. Particularly women. It's like, don't, don't, uh, oh, you've got that creepy feeling, but you need to be nice to this person. It's like, you, you train yourself almost to ignore that actual creep, creep feeling. So as an adult, when you get it, you talk yourself out of believing it. And that's what's so interesting, right? Because if we're taught, if, if we were taught from the time we were children to listen to that little instincty, like lizard brain part of yourself from the time you're a kid, what would happen? What would be the difference growing up as an adult and listening to ghost stories? Would you believe? 
Yeah, that's such a good point. Because, I mean, it's one of those things that we get taught as an older person, you know, go with your gut. Your gut's never wrong, mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. But mm-hmm. you're, you're so right. You're, you're told to ignore your gut when you're a kid. You know, it's like, no, 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 oh no, no. Just, yeah. just put out niceness and niceness will come back and everything's fine. Everyone's mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What's your, I mean, what's your feeling about ghosts, Stephanie? Are you a believer? Have you had a ghost encounter? I mean, I... I haven't really in my life. I've had some weird things happen, like pictures falling off the wall or, you know, a a mirror shattering once in college. Um, But I'll be honest that yesterday during the play, during that seance scene when I was about the book, you know, I mean, it's strange as an actor can be fully in something and then also a little part of your mind can jump somewhere else. And that's what happened last night. And th- that full body chill moment was really, I scared myself. I was like, <laughs> I love that. That's probably as close as I've gotten. Cause you know, I've gotten goosebumps before on my arms, but this was like from head to toe. I, I felt like I sit on my and like got really cold. Meanwhile, there's a scene going on and like, you know, a full house. And I was like, involved <laughs> <laughs> in what's happening. <laughs> You're can't, taking can't stop, you know. You're taking character acting to the next level, Stephanie. Me too. It was wild. It was wild. <laughs> You're probably getting into it. I love it. Brilliant. And there's something about I think with the West End as well. For a long, long time, the the most successful the, the sort of show of all time in terms of duration was A Woman in Black. It had been the kind of longest yeah. running show on the West End forever. And then right. I think I think things changed. So clearly, the London audience love a fright. Oh, God, I mean, think about. Think about your most famous Christmas story. It's a ghost story. Mm. You know, like there's something about sort of this idea that is this it? You know, is this it? Or is there more afterwards? And if there is more afterwards, what happens when people get stuck between the two places? And, and whether or not you can sort of say goodbye to the people you left behind or, you know, and, and London in and of itself is this like beautiful, very old, old city, you know, so many stories that have come and gone here. So many people who've lived their whole lives within this, the, the sort of city limits and the history of these places. I mean, I was just reading a little bit about I think it's called Spitterfields, right? Yeah, is that Spitterfields how you say Market. It? Yeah, yeah. Which now is sort of this lovely tourist attraction with like lots of fun stalls, and and at one point was really one of the poorest places in the entire city, where people lived and died sort of in trapped in poverty. And so, like that to me is so interesting. It's like, well, what 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 happened to those souls that like sort of and do they still sort of circulate and haunt and are they just in how human beings are using the same space now yeah hello i'm amber i work with the team that bring you this show and the driven chat podcast and we love that you're listening it would be really cool if you could just chuck us five stars subscribe and tell your friends thank you the andy j podcast gosh yes if, if ghosts are real london is full of them yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. They're, they're literally everywhere. Oh, everywhere. I mean, I guess the answer is prove they're not. You know, it's one of those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just don't know. Oh, exciting. I can't wait to see the show. It's, uh, it's going to terrify me. I love it. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie, let's talk about the fact that 
you are the lead character in Disney's latest smash hit, The Glorious Encanto. I mean, if I'd offered this to you, I don't know, when you're, what are you, like 40 now, right? So if I'd offered this mm-hmm. to you when you when you were 15, 16 years old, you know, kind of aspiring to, to be a woman in the world and thinking perhaps about <laughs> acting and so on. If I'd said you're going to be lead in a Disney movie, would you have believed me? I would have. Good. Strangely. That's a great answer. Because it- it was the big dream that I had for such a long time. Um, and and I think growing up, I watched a ton of Disney movies. I visited Disney World for the first time when I was around 15, 16. So maybe you told me on that trip, I I would have believed you. And I think, I, strangely, I would have done all the same things that I did to prepare, which is stay focused, stay grounded, stay ambitious do a lot of work, um, meaning like continue to watch things past the time when maybe it's quote unquote cool, but because I love animation, because I love Disney, I didn't think about that kind of stuff, you know? Or if I did, like there was a time in my twenties where it was just very uncool to love, you know, like much cooler to be into like bars and cool music and, Blah 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 blah. All the stuff that you know. When at the time I was living in New York, it was like Disneyland, really, you know. <laughs> and and I didn't care. I thought, well, this is the one thing that is not going to shit for me because I love it so much. I don't care what other people think about me. I don't care that you know I've gone on this date with this person and when question about my favorite place in the world, I said Disneyland and got to look like, oh no, I've got to finish this date as quickly as possible. I don't care. And I'm glad that I sort of that because the things that I like are the things that I like. And I think that that's where, where the best art can come from. It's like, if you have specific tastes, why ignore those tastes and homogenize yourself to what everyone else thinks is cool? You think this is cool. You're into this. Stay into it. What else is there? I mean, you know, yeah. like you're on this planet to have your singular experience. So if you like what you like, go for it. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think what, I mean, would I have freaked out if you, if, if you fortune told me that I was going to make my way to Encanto? Absolutely. I'm still freaking out. I still can't believe it's real. I'm so grateful for it. Yes, it is. It is remarkable. But, but it's also delightful that, you know, we've seen the evolution of not just Disney. I mean, we're talking about a Disney movie right now because there's so many in the back catalogue that there's plenty of frames of reference. But I would suggest okay. <clears throat> the way that your character in the movie has evolved from what would have been say 20 years ago, you know, and, and, oh, and it's yeah. not just with Disney. It's with, like I say, it's, it's across the board. It's with movies and television and the things we're consuming in general. We're seeing a new, totally. a new wave is the wrong word because there's been an evolution. But if yeah. 20, 20 years ago, if you'd said to me, the lead in a, you know, in a, in a, in a Disney movie is going to, you know, wear glasses and, you know, not have any skills and all the rest of it versus a princess <laughs> with, with kind of flowing locks and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I would have been like, yeah. really, really? But it's, yeah, I, I, right. I love, I love that that's, that's the change because it's a force for good, I think. I love that you said that too. It's like also your accent evolution. I love that. Um, but it is true. It's like it, it really has television, film, media, media in general has sort of shifted from this one way of looking at 
heroes and stories and shift it into this new place, which is like, there's more stories to be told. I mean, really at its core, Encanto is about a family mm. and all the working parts of that family and how that family works together, but also doesn't work together. Meaning that like, it is in many ways a family that functions, but doesn't always function in the best way. And, and sort of puts these expectations on family members to behave in certain ways to to be these people that they may not even want to be. And everybody can that feeling, the pressures of being inside a family, the pressure of being, for example, the oldest and having to make sure everyone is okay, the, the sort of person that everyone leans on and goes to talk to, or the, the the strong one that like nothing ever bothers them. And they're like the rock for the family, you know, or the storyline of in, in Encanto, there's a, it's a multi-generational family. So there's, there's kids, but there's also their parents and there's also their parents. And there's so many times as parents, I think that we don't share everything with our kids because we want to protect them. We want their lives to be easier and better than ours were. But in doing that, we remove part of our own story from our kids and then don't allow them to fully see us as realized people. And at least that's what my parents did Mm. for my own protection, for my own happiness. And yet in doing so, I was unable to understand certain things about my parents until I became an adult. And, you know, that's a big idea. And yet it's being explored in this movie in a palatable way that I think is opening up the possibilities for conversations for families to have, particularly around the holidays when you're seeing your family for the hope, like many of us for the first time in a couple of years, we're getting to be able to get together with our families, have these conversations. And like, it's really powerful, you know, because and it, we also don't get a lot of time with some of the members of our family. Our grandparents aren't always going to be around forever. And so to be able to sort of, share these like big moments about their history and their past and who they are and how they came to be in that way. All of those ideas explored in a Disney animated movie. That's crazy. You know, that's (laughs) crazy. It's so complex and amazing and, and special, much, much bigger than you would think. But man, Disney's been doing that kind of stuff forever. I mean, like think, you think about like Bambi, and uh, the gosh, death yes. of Bambi's mom, oh, and then, like, the introduction I can't, of I can't, I can't, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, but it's also the it's the 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 introduction of these ideas in and and maybe time when when Disney first sort of started doing those things, it was like that's what's hard about that memory, right? It's like, oh no, like what happens when a parent goes away? That's a big, big thing for a child to sort of wrap their brain around. This is another iteration of that, evolution of that. Yes. Going to Encanto, seeing Encanto with your family, it's a safe space for kids to start asking these questions. Where are you from? What's your history? What was it like when you were little? What do I feel inside my family? Do I feel relegated to a role in this family that I'm not sure fits me? Can that role evolve? It's really quite special story and you know and that's where this becomes not a kid's movie if you see what I mean Mm -hmm. yes it's for children you know that you kind of I think 
we label movies so wrongly now. I don't know if you saw Soul uh, that came out about, did, about yes, 12 months ago. Course. I mean, what, what a remarkable piece of film. You know, just, just an incredible, so incredible movie. Beautiful. But, but actually, you'd kind of look at it on the outside. You'd look at the poster and whatever and think, oh, that's for kids. That's for, and then you watch it and you're like, oh, my goodness. I mean, the number of times I sit down with my kids now to watch what's branded as a kid's film thinking, oh, well, I'll just get my phone. I'll get ready to, you know, surf the Internet for a bit. Right, and, right. You know, suddenly I'm hooked in in a, a sort of multi-layered, incredibly fascinating, kind, thoughtful, provoking, beautiful piece of filmmaking. And I'm just like, wow. Okay, kids' films have changed. But then I think back in that, actually, maybe not. E.T., for example, was a kids' right. film when I was growing up. You right. Know? I mean, like, that's the, the, the good, to me, the good art that's geared toward kids is the kind that understands that they are evolving minds, that they are much smarter than we give them credit for most of the time that they're capable of understanding these big ideas, perhaps not as, um, not in the same kind of, maybe the same language or the same way that adult stuff is made, right? But kids are capable of understanding big, big stuff. And also their brains are taking stuff in that they don't even know that they're taking in, right? Yeah. So like, if you're planting these ideas the way that Soul did, the way that Encanto does, if you're planting these ideas in a child's mind about what it is to be human, then you're really giving them this like really fertile ground to grow ideas of empathy, sympathy, compassion for other people. That's really vital, I think. I mean, another one that I was lucky enough to be a part of is Maya and the Three, which is on Netflix now. And it's this nine-part series and it's an animated thing for ostensibly for kids, but it's so beautifully done. And so much of it is about these ideas of building community and building, you know, who you are and, and what you're willing to sacrifice for the good of your community. What, what maybe the adults have done around you that has separated people, tribes, communities, and how you as a new member of society can rectify it, which is like, that's a really big idea to, yeah. to give to a kid. You know, it's like, you're powerful. If it is meant to be, it is up to me. That's Maya's sort of big motto in, in the series. And it's like, that's a really big seed to plant for a kid. And it's also like an incredibly animated, gorgeous, like big idea. I mean, Jorge who wrote and created Maya and the three sort of said that it's his it's his like Lord of the Rings. I mean it's just like wow. giant cool. world that he's built, right? Like but it's for kids and it's also not, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a special time, isn't it? It's a it special is, time in T V and film. It's it's really remarkable. It's awesome. Oh brilliant. Um Stephanie, I know we're very tight on time now and I know that you've got many, many more people to talk to, so I'm so chuffed we've had this opportunity to make friends. What's what's next for you, looking ahead to, to the sort of year unfolding for twenty twenty two? have you got big plans? Are you are you sticking around in London for a while or uh, are you moving on to the next big movie? We will be running the play until it's a limited run. We're running the play until February twelfth, I believe. So I'm excited for the new year for audiences to come see it yeah. and then after that I don't know I'm really open right now I'm like 
reading a bunch of scripts and doing a lot of like noodling with producer friends and kind of thinking about what are the stories that I want to put out into the world. I believe we'll probably start working on the second season of Tehana, which is the podcast that I executive produced and star in, which is a really cool sort of Lone Ranger kind of um, detective story set in Texas. Um, and I play a, a, a an amazing character. I mean, I've, I, I can't even like find the words to talk about her, but I think <laughs> she's like such a cool, cool Texas Ranger, bad, another kind of badass, but it's a really good mystery sort of detective story. And then kind of just waiting to see like how the year unfolds and very excited to sort of be present for it all. Brilliant. Oh, how exciting. And of course, you know, all the, all the firsts as a new mum, you know, the first yeah. word, the first step, the first, all of that, you know, you've got all that yeah. to come as well this year. How yeah. exciting. The first, the first trip to Disneyland. I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and potentially the second, if she's lucky. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brilliant. Stephanie, what a joy. You've been such great company. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I've really appreciated it. Oh, my pleasure. Truly. Love it. Love it. I'm coming to see the show uh, first week in Jan. So I will, uh, I'll be, Yay! I'll be chilled. I went to uni with Elliot, incidentally. He was, he's my oh, university really? buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. He's so lovely. So lovely. And he really shines in this role. Everyone does. G, yes. James, like, I feel so lucky to be doing my first playback in like, I mean, it's been 10, 10 years since I did a play live on stage, but G and Elliot and James are such incredible actors. And like, I don't know if this is like a, I don't know if it's like an American thing, but like, I, they're, they're also like calm about everything and like <laughs> giving on stage. And like, I, I'm just like flabbergasted at how good they all are. Like they're so good and each in a really specifically different way. And the casting I think is so well done for this show and i mean they really all of them are shining like really shining in in drastically different ways i think like which i think will be really fun for you to see Elliot in this role but honestly everyone like everyone knows james from in betweeners and like in this in this show he's something completely i mean he's absolutely brilliant in it funny as hell but like also really I've never, I've, I've never seen him like that. And I'm psyched for audience. I mean, he's like kind of terrifying sometimes and also like really charming at other times. And Giovanna's too, like she's, she's really brilliant. But, and then there's these parts where you're, you're kind of terrified for her, for her family, but also of her, which is like kind of lovely. It's great. Oh, I wish I was seeing it tonight now. You've got me properly like, oh, it's seriously <laughs> exciting. Oh, I love it. Fantastic. Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much. Have you got loads more conversations to do today? Are you on a kind of treadmill oh, of chats? Not too much. Not too bad. No, it's it's never too bad. I never I, I never look at it like it's a, a bad thing. You know, oh, people are interested in the work that you're putting out. <laughs> oh, that's so tough. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, have an amazing day. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for Thank your company. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, lovely, lovely conversation. Thank Happy you. Day. Speak soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The Andy J Podcast. 
There she goes. Isn't she lovely? I really, 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 really liked Stephanie. I think she was just wonderful and great, great company. I hope we get to chat again. I can tell you that tomorrow, as I alluded to at the start, we will be bringing out another special episode of the Andy J podcast with the magnificent Giovanna Fletcher, who is just gold, gold, gold. Can't wait for you to hear that. And then the next day, we'll be uh, bringing you a special conversation with the magic Elliot Cowan, who I knew from university days, actually, and who has been in so many amazing movies with some massive Hollywood stars. So there are going to be some scoops for you from what it's like working with legends. I'm just so excited to bring you this show this week. I'm really, really pleased. Thank you so much for your company. Have a wonderful day. Go out and be kind. Do something lovely for someone else. How about that? And I will catch you on the flip side. J Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work.